Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, my name is Giles Brandreth, and I'm here in the kitchen of my friend... Susie Dent. Susie Dent is a lexicographer by profession. Is that what you call yourself? Mm, yes. I never know what to call myself. To well, you're a broadcaster, you're a writer, you're... But essentially, people think of it Words, a Wordsmith. Or you're a words, word wordsmith, lexicographer. Yes. What is the origin of the word lexicographer? Nobody's ever asked me that before. No, no, they have actually. Um, the origin of lexicographer is simply, you've, you've published a book called The Joy of Lex, so you know what Lex is. It's I did hope to get lots of sales, and we did. We called the book The Joy of Lex, and it came off, it was first appeared in the 1970s, off the back of the hugely successful Joy of Sex. So we sold an awful lot of copies. Mm. But people were confused there because they weren't sure whether Lex meant law as opposed to words and language. Which does it mean? Oh, well, I would say words and language, for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's essentially what lexicographer does, is a compiler of dictionaries. Or and lexicons. how come, because we're, we're going to talk about jobs, professions, what things people do on this episode, how come you are a lexicographer? When you were a little girl, mm. when you were the age of your daughters now, in mm. your teens, what did you aspire to be, Susie Dent? A hotel manager. Oh. Mm. I loved hotels. I loved wandering around in them whenever we went on holiday. I would stand by the icebox for hours pretending to be a bar person. And um, that was it. That's all I wanted to do is be a hotel manager. I've never known that, but I'm fascinated mm. because when I was a child, I read a novel by Thomas Mann called The Confessions of Felix Krull. Yeah. And he was a kind of confidence trickster. And he earned his living as a waiter. So when I was in my teens, I thought I'd like to be a waiter. Thomas Mann, one of my favourite authors. Well, there you are. Yeah. So, so it turns out that our childhood fantasies were similar. But we haven't ended up um, waiting in a hotel or managing a hotel. No, my my um, journey to where I am today was completely uh, accidental, though, because I... Well, my very first job, let's talk about our very, very first jobs. I was uh, a waitress. I loved it. Because you never took work home. You met lovely people. You met pretty awful people as well. Um, did you get tips? But you had great did you get team. Tips? We did get tips. I mean, I earned absolutely nothing. We did get tips. Uh, and I worked in a wine bar for a while as well. And there tri- are there tricks to getting a better tip? No, we just used to add 10% and then share it around. I didn't, oh. I didn't go in for any particular sort of flirting with extras. the customers in order to get a little bit more. <laughs> no, I didn't do any of that. What was your first us. job? I, I was a waiter. You flirted. Like, I, like oh. Billio. Like Billio. I went straight for the much older man. Hello, right. sir. Hello. How do you... Oh, that's very sweet. A fiver. Is that for me? Oh, that's very kind of you, sir. Thank you. Pocketed it. 
Uh, in fact, I did. My first job really was as a. I wanted to be a child star, and I used to do performing on the uh, Broadstairs. My parents took me on holiday to Broadstairs in Kent. Yeah, it's still a lovely seaside resort, and I would perform there. Um, there were three places to perform. One was on the bandstand, which I performed there. The other was the pavilion. Did you perform to an audience or just to your family? <laughs> I did. There was quite a lot of me performing solo on the bandstand <laughs> early in the morning, just to my darling mother. You who sat, sat a platform. Oh, sat, she sat in the deck chair in front watching me. And you used to in those days being able to get tea oh. on a tray. Oh, from, yeah, from the on the the top near the ice cream parlor, there was a place that made tea. You get a pot of tea with a tea cosy and a cup of tea, and my mother would sit I have such a on the deck chair watching oh, me dancing. Selfless. About I used to do acrobatic dancing. I was about six or seven years of age. Anyway, as a result of this, I was seen by the people who came and did the show on the bandstand, and they invited me to be a novelty turn. And as a result <laughs> of that, I ended up at Broadstairs on the Pavilion on the Sands. People oh who know God. Broadstairs will know there's this wonderful pavilion on the sands and it used to have an entertainer called Cecil Barker, who was a wonderful... He had his own orchestra. He played the violin himself. He was a great entertainer, hugely popular from the end of the Second World War up until, I think, the beginning of the 1970s. And Cecil Barker saw me and I ended up doing Children's Night, Novelty Night and Carnival Night at the Pavilion on the Sands in Broadstairs. You had a full-time job, age eight. Well, it was just for the summer holidays, uh, three nights a week. <laughs> Did you and earn on, anything? On the spare nights, I used to go to the Bohemia Theatre in Broadstairs and do a little song and dance routine there. Good grief. And we stayed, we lived in the same guest house when we were there as this man, Cecil Barker, who sat at a different table. Uh, and my reward was... Uh, he always wore a fresh carnation because he played the violin. It was on the wrong side of his shoulder that he wore it. And he wore a fresh carnation every day. And I got the carnation on the next day. That was my reward. How lovely. And at this guest house, Some they, money would have been nice, though. Cyril and Charles, who ran the guest house, they said to me, clearly you'd like to be a waiter. I said, I'd love to be a waiter. I'd love to be a waiter. But of course, I got to the shows. And they said, we'll give you time to do the shows. So aged seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, the years that we went there, I was a waiter for Cyril and Charles at their guest house in Broadstairs. And if you're listening and you gave me a tip at the time, thank you very much. So, but, but tell me, what is the origin of the word waiter? I suppose it is waiting at table. That's... It is somebody who waits at tables. It's funny, it reminded me of um, Nick Hewer, who told me with disgust that he had been to a restaurant and had been attended upon by a waitron, which is the neutral, the gender neutral term for a waiter. And they came up and said, have you been menued yet, sir? Oh, please. He was not happy. He was I not happy. Not. Um, well, so... let's move on to the chef. Yes, okay. Because we have male chefs and female chefs, and it's the same word. Yes. What is the origin of the word chef? Chef, um, it simply goes back to the idea of a head, so chief. Oh, chef de cuisine. The The chef would be the head cook. The head cook, essentially. And then, essentially, the chief of the kitchen and everything else. While we're on professions' names, butcher. Butcher's strange. Butcher, we think, goes back to a word meaning he-goat, buck. So, presumably, their meat was uh, originally goat, mostly. So, that's where we think it comes from, a bock. A bock? So, the butcher originally cut up... I ever told you about butcher's back slang? 
No. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's this wonderful tribal language that I discovered when I was um, researching tribal language. When I say tribal language, I mean the language used by particular professions and groups. And it turns out that butchers, in some corners of Britain, so you won't find it everywhere now, sadly, but they have this pig Latin, essentially, and appropriately. So they have this sort of shorthand that they will use and nobody else can understand. And sometimes they will practice it for hours the night before in order to entertain their colleagues the next day. Uh, so cool the Delo Namo in Butcher's backslang means look at the old woman. And that in turn is code for she's a tough sort, she's a tough customer. So and it's the words reversed, is it's it? It's slightly reversed, but, but with consonants quite. added on sometimes. Uh-huh. So tish means shit, so they can swear. Because uh, you go to the butcher and you suddenly what? hear them saying, tish, 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 <laughs> they haven't got a terrible cold. They're saying, we don't like the look of you. Shit, 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 he's back. Exactly. And it's it's absolutely wonderful, but sadly probably dying out. But in some in some cases, it's butcher's hook from. means look, but that's that's right, slang, slang, which that's, is a different yeah, kind of butchers, thing. Yeah, yeah. What about cop as a shorthand for policeman? Oh yeah, that goes. It always goes back to Latin. It's essentially, we've got the Romans to thank for so many of our words. Um, that goes back to the Latin capere, meaning to seize, which gave us capture and captive and all that kind of thing. So cops essentially would cop people. That was an old dialect word for nabbing them, in other words. But it, it goes all the way back to cop. classical language. Curiously, the other day we were talking about robber, you know, as in cops we and robbers. Robber coming from clothing, the robe. Yes. Cops comes from catching somebody. Yes. What about the other slang for police officers? What are they called? Bobbies. That's Bobbies, Robert Peel. Robert Peel, who yes. basically pioneered the Metropolitan Police. Exactly, exactly right. And Peelers. Peelers as well, we have. Coppers is like... Busies, they're called in Liverpool. Busies? Yes, because they essentially are... Actually, no one knows, but I think it is because they're just busy or maybe busy bodying. Busy body, exactly. And copper comes from cop. Yeah. 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 We played an amusing game a few weeks ago. We did. And it seems to have provoked a lot of interest. The the game we played was one that I mentioned because I, I, I play it at night to get myself to sleep. And the idea is when you become redundant... from a certain profession, how do you describe it? And I gave some examples about accountants being disfigured, admirals are abridged, um, bankers are disinterested, botanists are deflowered, songwriters are decomposed, uh, witch doctors Mm. are dispelled. Decomposed, I love that one. You like that one? What about this? Violinists are unstrung, train drivers are derailed. (laughs) Very good. What about this? Tennis players, unloved and defaulted. Oh, excellent. Tailors, unsuited. Are these all from our viewers? No, they aren't. Listeners, even. We, uh, do you know, they, they they communicate so well with us, we think they're viewing us. Uh, no. <laughs> Thank goodness they're not. But we have them. had some. Uh, um, Kerim Sali um, has sent in some lovely examples here. Thank you very much for doing so. If you want to get in touch, it's purple at somethingelse.com, by the way. Something without a G. Anyway, she has sent in firemen are extinguished. Jigsaw okay. designers get disassembled. The jockey loses his job, gets unseated. The kiln operator is fired. Yeah. But this is the one I love most. The porn star. <gasps> Deflated. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. That, may, I mean, yeah, that could be either the customer or the star, couldn't it? I don't know. But there's some gems there. And I got some here from Kane Green. Um, call centre workers might be excommunicated. Mm-hmm. Cake makers... Could be expunged. Oh, oh that's a great one. Clever. That's a great one. Female teacher. What did you call your teachers at school? Miss or Mrs. or Mr. Yeah, I did. You said Miss, please, Miss. Mm-hmm. A female teacher may be dismissed. Oh. Neat. 
expunge has got to be my favourite. A model, maybe disposed of. So they mm-hmm. were modelling, they were posing, mm-hmm. disposed of. Mm-hmm. Not sure. What do you reckon? I think I, I reckon it's time for a break. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed with mushrooms? Not really. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. We're back. And if you want to communicate with us, you can. It's purple at somethingelse.com. That's something without a G. Because I think we could go on forever with tree surgeons being uprooted, surveyors being dislocated. I we need one for lexicographers. There must be an obvious one out there. But if you do have it, please let us know. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah. Okay, tell me about some of the terms that people use at work. Okay, well, we talked about some job titles before, haven't we? So I've talked about the fact that secretaries used to keep secrets. So they mm-hmm. were secretaries. Freelancers, again, another word that wears its heart on its sleeve because they were originally knights who weren't attached to any particular nobleman or lord and so would be free to use their lance. Butlers, that goes, they were butlers uh, originally. Well, that actually goes back to the Latin meaning a, um, a cask. And of course, we get a butt from that as well with the double because teeth. curiously the Duke of Norfolk is sometimes described as the chief butler of England is he? Okay. and he is the person who runs the coronation when it comes along mm. and this goes back to medieval times yeah. being the, the butler but the person was a bottler a bottler originally yeah well they so were, that's they the were person the... who brings up the the wine exactly the so they're in charge of the wine cellar very yeah, um, essentially, they were the sommelier. Busman's holiday, that was one of the uh, queries that came up. It goes back to 1893, when being a bus driver was a regular, everyday job, and it still is, but I think it was much more in the sort of public imagination than, than it probably is today. So Busman's holiday... Sorry, can, can I just stop you there? Much more in the public... Uh, yeah, what I mean is... I, I, mean, I must I'm explain, right Susie Dent hasn't been on public transport in some years, but I fortunately here, all the time. we have a man of the people... I, Charles Brandreth, travel entirely on public transport. I do um, too. Partly because of my age, and I therefore get a, what is called, old bugger's pass, and that enables me, and I think it's a wonderful thing, it must be said, because it does enable people who are much older than me who mightn't get out, gives them the incentive to get out, but I am on a bus. You're a twirly. You get, you get, you know, in Liverpool, a twirly is someone who arrives too early because they're very keen, a pensioner that arrives too early to get the pensioner's discount. I think the busman's holiday is this. People like my great aunt Edith love to go on a holiday by bus. Yes. She and her friends would get together. She was a maiden lady and she would go with a a girlfriend or two and they would buy she lived in Accrington and Lancashire and they'd go to Lytham St Anne's or if they were going to be extravagant they'd go up to Blackpool and they went by bus Mm -hmm. and that was a treat. Mm -hmm. Now for the bus driver to Mm -hmm. go to Blackpool isn't a treat Mm -hmm. because he's driving to Blackpool or she is driving to Blackpool anyway. Yeah. I think that is the origin and that has... It isn't quite as popular now as no, it used to be. No, you're quite right, because the first record here in the in the OED is from the English Illustrated Magazine, 1893, quote, I shall indeed take a holiday soon, but it will be a busman's holiday. Yeah. 
There you go. Right. Um, <laughs> uptitling. Can I talk about that yeah. very quickly? So when you were a, a waiter, waiter on, whatever you were, did you, you were quite happy to call yourself that, I imagine. I was proud to be a waiter. Yeah, likewise. I was, I was proud to do what I, I did. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was slightly sexy. Yeah, but uptitling is when you try and big yourself up uh, and you try and um, inflate your... Well, at least I'm not sure that we do it ourselves. I think maybe our employers do it for us. We don't have window cleaners. We have scandiscopists. Do we have scandiscopists? I love that. that Apparently, shelf stackers are stock replenishment executives. Stock replenishment executives. Yes. Um, But I did a bit of research into this, and it turns out we have been doing it for quite a long time. In the 1940s, if you were a rat catcher, you were a rodent operative. Isn't that wonderful? Mm. So um, we have been doing that for a long time. And firing someone, being fired. Of course, that's got a whole lexicon as well. You're fired. Whole euphemism You're fired. Treadmill. We think it's simply from the idea of the speed with which a bullet is um, discharged from a gun, really. And somebody is, you know, literally discharged in the same way, rather unceremoniously. Um, the sack, of course, people are given the sack. Um yes think that goes back to people being given their tools because they were manual workers very often in a sack and told to get out yeah so quite a literal one that one um have you ever been to after someone's died to collect their possessions from uh, it's happened to me now several times mm. there are lots of things that i can introduce you to from an older person's perspective Susie. okay and one of there them, must you, be a verb for that then, you, going and collecting. It's, it's yeah. bleak. But what's yes. interesting, it's you t- we're talking about the sack, is that every time that's happened, the possessions have been handed to me in one of those black plastic sacks. Oh. So you go in to collect what, the bits bag? and pieces in a bin bag. Oh, and they well, put, you nice. know, the, the cardigan and the clothes and the, the person's, the late person's spectacles and whatever it is, portable radio. In the bin bag. Listen, this is a new business for us, is that we can design some beautiful hessian bags with a logo gone but not forgotten or something nice and sentimental on it, <laughs> and they can replace black plastic bags. I think it's a lovely bags. idea. Would have been almost... What should we call them? <laughs> we can call them your dent bag. I've got, I've got, I'd like a nice dent bag, please, though I might find it a bit bleak to go and collect my nan's possessions and be handed a bag that already has embroidered on it, gone but not forgotten. <laughs> Participate, enjoy with that exclamation mark. Something that's terrible. <laughs> oh, have we had any listeners' questions yet? Have you got any interesting letters we've had this week? Well, we've had quite a few letters. Speaking of jobs, with some nominative determinism in them. So, remind ap- me what that is. Acronyms, I like to call them. Um, both mean the same thing. So they are people who um, whose surnames accurately reflect Lord what they judge, do, who turns out to be a judge, they, or who exactly. they are. So we have. Uh, some examples here. So Dan Connolly uh, wrote in, thank you, Dan, to say he's met the Warwickshire Fire Safety Officer, or one of them, Blaise Marshall. Oh. Um, and he said, and one I read about the first... Blaise time, Marshall. Yes. And it's he's from Warwickshire. It sounds like as though he should be from Texas. Blaise Marshall, yeah. fire officer. And this one I have also heard of. <laughs> it's a gynaecologist called Dr. Bonnie Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bonnie Beaver. Yes. Why do these things make us laugh? Aren't we silly? There's inside all of us a little school child, isn't there, still trying to Bonnie Beaver. That is amusing. There are. Um, and this Usain Bolt, of course, famously. Yes. Do you know I once met Usain Bolt's auntie in um, a place called Sherwood Content in Jamaica. Okay. And I stopped off looking for somewhere to go to the loo. And then I came out and I saw these pictures of Usain Bolt. And I said, oh, you seem to be, you're a Usain Bolt fan. She said, I'm Usain Bolt's auntie. 
And she said, I can still run faster than Usain. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and she turned out to have been the woman's um, athletic running champion of Jamaica for many years. Oh, fantastic. So it was yeah. all in the genes. Um, well, I also, just uh, just to stay with aptronyms, um, there are some fantastic ones. I have to give a, a shout out to BuzzFeed for this, um, but they made me laugh when I was looking at these yesterday. There was an athlete who came last in a race who was called Vanya Stumbleover. <laughs> Vanya Stumbleova, which is amazing. There was an Admiral Sir Manly Power, Sir Manly uh, Power, which is great. Um, and I'm really sorry about this, but this, this, you know, we had a, we had a message in saying that we giggle a lot on the show, which I protested loudly against, but now I realise I do. This was a man in Ottawa who was arrested for indecent exposure. Called <laughs> you have to read this Spin out. it out. I should read it out. This is Susie. Really is having a collapse here. Uh, okay. This is this is a man arrested in uh, <laughs> uh, for indecent exposure uh, in Ottawa. He was sixty-two years of age. He appeared in court, and his name was Donald Popperdick. You see, I can say it without bursting into giggles. When, yeah. when, I, when I was at school years ago, yeah. and we may have touched on this before, it's such a famous story. When I was at school yeah. uh, in the 1950s, the, the big blonde bombshell in Britain was Diana Dawes. And everybody oh, yeah. knew that her real name we, yes, was, was Diana Fluck. Fluck. Yes. And you know the famous story of yes. the vicar when she came back to open the church fate, <laughs> don't you? Yeah. I was so determined to get it right and use her by her real name and yeah. introduce her as Diana Clunt. <laughs> uh, this is from Gareth Morrell, or Morrell. Uh, that's almost 50 years since I saw it. I was once shown a prospectus for my local authorities' evening classes in which the needlework class was announced as being taught by Vera Pin. That's quite sweet. But there has been research done on this that actually shows that people are drawn to certain professions yes, if absolutely. they have certain names. absolutely. No, no, I agree. Um, anyway, I could go on and on about acronyms because there are some very funny ones here. Very but I, mean, I often say, and I'm sure it's true, that if Oscar Wilde had been called John Brown, his life would have been totally different. Yeah. The name does make a difference. Yeah. Are you happy being called Dent? I don't mind it. I don't think it's influenced my job choice at all. What about Brandreth? Oh, I'd hate Brandreth. No one I likes the name it. really that I'm, much. I'm used to it. It's just complicated. Try phoning up and booking a table at a restaurant on the name Brandreth. I never do. I, I say Brown. Well, actually, mine is quite useful wife. because everyone thinks I'm saying Judy Dench. So that's quite oh, useful. Oh, so you get the best table in the restaurant. I do. Uh, one more here of an acronym, Tim Barlow. And, and this is quite a common thing, isn't it? When somebody has a name that, when read out in one way, doesn't sound particularly attractive. So they put an apostrophe in or they yes. change the pronunciation. And one of those famously is Death. Instead of death. And Tim Barlow says he came across a Mr. Dayath whose job was a probate solicitor. Perfect. That's neat. No wonder the apostrophe crept in. Susie Dent, do you have your trillio of My words? trillio? I have my trillio. trillio. Your trillio. I, my trillio, I do. These um, are words that we may not have come across before that can increase our word power. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, have you ever really regretted getting to the end of a box set or a book? Yes. And yes, yeah, so what you're feeling then is Finny Fugal. Finny Fugal. Finny Fugal. F I N I F U G A L. And it's a really rare historical adjective meaning shunning the end of something. So uh, it's happened to me many times when mm. I got to the end of a wonderful novel called The Old Wives' Tale by Arnold Bennett. I thought, this is. I want to begin this all over again. Yeah. But, of course, things are never quite as good second time around. Okay. I say that. I've just finished 
the box set of Rumpole of the Bailey. Oh, yeah. These were television dramas made in the 19th. 19- John Mortimer. Written by John Mortimer, mm. 1980s, 90s, mm. finished in 1992. Just wonderful. And I have seen that before, but I couldn't remember any of it. Okay. So what's the word for feeling sad about it? Finifugal. Finifugal. Yes. Oh, meaning sad at the end of things. Yes. Okay. Well, f- f- it means shunning the end or fleeing the end fleeing of something. Fleeing the end. Now, the next one is a really fancy way of saying that something is rubbish and it might give you uh, a means of getting away with it uh, because it doesn't sound particularly insulting. So use it to your biggest enemy and tell them that what they've just done is totally quisquilious and it means utter trash. trash. So Q-U-I-S, Q-U-I-L-I-O-U-S. So the quiz part is, again, Latin, nothing to do with quizzing. It's quisquilious. Quisquilious. It sounds beautiful, doesn't it? It sounds really, really nice. And what does it mean? In it nutshell? means of the nature of refuse, as the uh, oh, refuse as in garbage. garbage. You, are crap. you are total, garbage. Total you are garbage. shit. You are yeah. quisquilious. Yes. Of the nature of garbage. Yes, you can That's also fantastic. say quisquillion if you like. Oh, I um, love it. But uh, yes, it goes back to the Latin quisquillii, waste matter, refuse, rubbish. Oh. So that's a good one. And finally, if you want a fancy way of talking about your to-do list, you say, I have so many facienda, or facienda, if you like, F-A-C-I-E-N-D-A. Facienda, so facienda. A facienda is something that needs to be done. As in facere, doing things. Exactly. Uh, funnily enough, whenever I'm unhappy... What I do is make a list. I feel constantly overwhelmed. I've got too many things to do, too many emails to answer. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got to get on Instagram, Twitter, it's all so much. Got to get round to Susie's having done my homework. I make <laughs> a list. So I cope with being overwhelmed by my facienda yes, by, by making a, a to-do list. list. Yep. Are you somebody who has negative feelings? I don't think you are. Because I'm, I'm thinking, I love I'm the a, word. I'm a worrier, for Quis- sure. I'm a worrier, Ask too. Ask Rachel Riley, she'll say that I worry about things that could possibly happen, but I do. I think I'm a slight, not a catastrophist, but I do I do get into worryhood sometimes. But not you're not negative. You don't, I mean, I'm wondering where we're going to use the word quisquilius, you and I. Oh, in terms of insulting other people? Yeah. Um, oh, no, I can do that. Can you? <laughs> yeah. But oh. the great thing is to use, you know, to use vocabulary that, that they won't might understand. not. Yeah, which is a bit silly really but I, you have to exploit my job sometimes it's not a very transferable skill knowing the dictionary has its uses on occasion so you occasionally so, send an email to the boss saying you Chris Quillius bust I haven't done that yet you ingordigious windsucker well, on that wholesome note, I think we ought to conclude. I, I do give us a review or rate us. Help spread the word if you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you've got a question, you can get in touch. You can email us at purple at somethingelse.com. And Something Rhymes With Purple is a Something Else production produced by Paul Smith with additional production from Lawrence Bassett, Steve Ackerman and someone called Gully. <laughs> Gully, Chris Quillius. <laughs>